It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN. Your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. At the clubhouses of the Manhattan Country Club, Colbert Hills, Stag Hill, even the Santon Greens up in Leonardville. If there, I don't know if there's a clubhouse there or not, but how about the Country Club in Wamego? All the surrounding links or community have had one topic to talk about today. And I'm not even golf. I'm not a golfer at all. I hardly watch any golf. But what a story that has developed earlier today. The PGA and Live Golf merging. And with that merger, surrounded by hypocrisy coming from the PGA Tour. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Covert. It is us two today. We are out right at 5 o'clock because we have Kansas City Royals baseball coming up with first pitch of 540 as they'll be taking on Miami down in South Beach. Or Florida to us oldsters. Sure. Still the, Mi- still the Florida Marlins. Yes. They've been Miami for a long time. Long time now. I know. but like 15, 20 years. Uh, not quite that long. The first Mets game I went to when I lived in New York City was against Jose Reyes and, uh, and the uh, Miami Marlins. And Reyes was a former Met. And I bought a Mets Reyes jersey because it was on sale for like $3. And guess who's playing right in front of me in the outfield from my seats? Jose Reyes. Meanwhile, I have never watched a professional golf event in person. I got a feeling things are going to be changing a little bit with professional golf. The reputation of the PGA. The golfer's mindsets. But as Jay Monahan said earlier today, I think it was on one of the NBC channels. CNBC, maybe. It's not what about the reaction is today. It's about what the reaction is going to be in 10 years. That should be the real reaction to this merger. And that comes a year after Jay Monahan, who is the commissioner of the PGA, when denouncing Liv and applauding the golfers that decided not to jump from the PGA to live, and also, meanwhile, shaming 
the golfers that did jump from the PGA to live, bringing up 9-11 and his heart going out to the families of those that lost loved ones in 9-11. And again, these are comments just from last year. He was speaking, speaking to Jim Nance on CBS. And now, calling it one of the one of the most important days in golf history. Oof. There are so many questions to be answered. In a very hush-hush move until we found out earlier today. I mean, I'll give him credit. At least he wasn't on TV just counting out the dollar bills. Yes. He not only sold out himself, but Jay Monahan sold out the golfers that stuck by the PGA side. And I I was I was actually talking to the office like an hour ago, and I said something about well, I hadn't heard Jay Monahan speak yet. Other than a couple of quotes I had seen in some articles. Mm-hmm. And it felt like, well, He's the commissioner. I know there's a board of directors with the PGA, but it's not like he solely made this decision. He can more just be a mouthpiece. Well, that mouthpiece, that, he, that, that work that he is doing, is a total sellout job for himself in the PGA. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He, is, he has done himself no favors. And a big issue with this as well, on the, on the golfer's side of things, is that they had no idea this was coming. No idea. The interesting aspect of that especially comes from the fact that, as you and I were discussing this, looked up the ownership of the PGA Tour. Nonprofit operated by a board of directors. Now, there is a player's board that is involved, but it would have to be the board of directors that signed off on this, and if they didn't tell the players, oh boy, this is going to get ugly. The shameful part of it is a year ago, bringing up, of course, if you don't know the connection between Saudi Arabia and 9-11, I'm not going to get all into that, but the 9-11 attacks and the families of 9-11, those that died in 9-11, the families, the heart going out to them, like that all being brought up is a real crushing blow to the image of the PGA at this Mm -hmm. point now. And it, it, of course, that goes back to the word I dropped earlier, and that is the hypocrisy, because it was a very sad puppy. Look at me. We're the good guys image. Right. The Liv made a very blunt attack in their lawsuit that was looming against the PGA, though, in that they noted something that flew under the radar, I think, for most people, or at least they didn't look into it. When you realize that all of that criticism that's going towards live for being funded by the Saudis. There are 40 sponsors of the PGA Tour who do business in Saudi Arabia. It's amazing that uh, to kind of bounce off that and what Dan Patrick said at the end of this show, because I caught a little bit of it. And of course, that became a big topic because it broke this morning. And that was a very quiet story that is that, that just broke this morning. It, it, it was almost too easy with this merger. Yes. It, it, I don't understand how easy this was because they were involved, each other were involved in so many lawsuits. And with this merger, and this lawsuits are for many reasons, but with the merger now, those lawsuits automatically go away with the merger. They are now gone, and we're not going to worry about it. 
Now, again, I don't watch. I'm not a big watcher of golf. I don't follow it too closely. I'm a, I'm a trash golfer. I've only tried a couple of times. And I haven't golfed since I was 18 years old. It's just a sport I don't follow very closely. And I remember whenever the news broke that live golf is becoming a thing and now they're going to start grabbing a bunch of these pro golfers, some that already have established names, some that still want to establish their names, are going to throw huge million-dollar numbers at them to come golf for them. And we called them sellouts and taking the blood money. I remember talking about that and talking about the hypocrisy and talking about how it's a dark day for golf. From that day to now, I'm trying to understand why the PGA ended up making this play. Because it felt like Live Golf wasn't making big moves when it comes to being competitive with the PGA, other than having a couple of big names. But nobody knew when or where these these events were taking place. They were they were airing on CW, right? They were airing on CW. They were buying the airtime. And oh, by the way, if something else came up that the station was scheduled to run and a tournament ran long, well, there was no buy-in for having those extra minutes. No, it went automatically to whatever the uh, uh, ad was <laughs> that followed. Hey, hey you know <laughs> the what? Adverti- I mean, I'm Just- not kidding you. The paid programming interruptions were actually humorous. I've seen some of the tweets. Yeah, they were like that shotgun were- starts almost, right? Well, like- yes. Yes, exactly. Well, and you know, just a thought about that. Speaking of the CW, maybe George Klyovkov is ah. like dancing in the streets right now because sounds like maybe some TV time just opened up. That's the thing we don't know. Like, what's the name moving forward? Where this, you know, we nothing. I I, I don't have a clue. Or they're just going to be two still two separate entities, or I don't know. There is a complete different aspect of this though that I'm starting to wonder about because. Over the last week, there has been a lot of noise made about players who are heading for the Saudi Pro League soccer and some of the best players. Ronaldo, by the way, is one who's already playing in that league. The Saudis are up to something with what they're doing sports-wise now. They are up to something big, and I think that this is just part of that picture uh, when you couple it with what they're wanting to do, apparently, with the Saudi Pro League in soccer. I've kind of I've kind of backpedaled on my thoughts originally on the players that were jumping from the PGA to live because of the money and being sellouts, no matter where the money came from. Because I, you know, I, I thought about it like everybody knows. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know my thoughts on BYU and how how I'm I was very upset that the the, the BYU is becoming a member of the Big Twelve due to BYU's history of racism and discrimination towards LGBTQ community, and that's a history that is that still lives to today. It, it's done very little to put in a lot of effort to correct that bad history with minorities. If BYU offered me $10 million to go be a public address announcer, I would think about it. I mean, we all have our price. Everybody's got their price 
because you think about the dollar signs and how you could be taken care of for the rest of your life by maybe swallowing some pride and go work for somebody that you do not agree with. But when it's the higher up, when it's the commissioner, and made some very emotional comments less than a year before this merger about the counterparty that you're merging with, it's a bit sick. It, it, it really is kind of a bit sick, the way this is all played out. We are so good at attaching good guy, bad guy, when situations develop, almost as if there has to be a binary in situations where, let's be perfectly honest, there's a lot of gray space. Nothing is black and white. And this today is another example of it. Because the good guys aren't as good as what we envision them to be. And, okay, well, the bad guys are about as bad as what we envision them to be, honestly, in this one, in the Saudis. But how does the PGA win? In this situation, it seems like Liv needed more from the PGA than the PGA needed from Liv. And it's a Am great, I wrong? It, it, no, you're right. The only thing that I can see is that it changes what the money is going to be. Because the PGA, as a nonprofit up to this point, now gets taken over by the PIF, the, the investment fund, which is linked to the government, which is linked to individuals having connections to 9-11. And but from it, gets, a, it gets darker the, the, the further you go down correct. the road. But from a financial standpoint, look at what they were spending on live players. A lot. Insane money. So now you start putting that together with what the tournament purses are. Are players going to have a level salary to play on the PGA Tour before you even get into purses for the tournaments. This will be the first time that the PGA is operated as a for-profit entity. Let's see if I can find the quote from earlier today because I was reading an article, and this article did not specifically name the PGA uh, Tour player, but like the quote was like, no effing way. Is this going to happen, or am I okay with this? And then you had Phil Mickelson on Twitter saying today, awesome day today, happy face emoji. You Right there, you have two different people with two different morals, or, you know, like characteristics, morals, whatever, beliefs. Mm-hmm. And now this these are two ideas – philosophies, ways of life, going to head, butt heads now. Greg Norman's biggest victory ever. I mean, honestly, when you look at the fact that he couldn't win a major, well, he just won them all as CEO of Live. And these golfers that stood their ground and didn't take the blood money, didn't take the nine figures or eight figures, whatever it was that some of these guys were being offered, and now their only opportunity to play top-level professional golf is, like I said earlier, everybody's got a price. 
Oof. Are they willing, you know, I don't want to call them sellouts because they weren't initially selling. It's kind of forcing their hand, or are they just not going to golf anymore or take a step back or whatever? You know, they now they just kind of, they're, they're a part of this merger with the blood money. And how much of it is a panic move by the PGA recognizing that, well, there's not much of a likelihood that Tiger's going to be playing much anymore? Yeah, what was Tiger offered? Oh, he he was offered uh, he was offered close to three, I think it was, right out of the box. Th- three three million. Uh huh. Oh, I thought it was more than that. Might have been. I'm just thinking right off the top of my head here. Because Phil, I think Phil Mickelson was getting like when he signed. Oh, something tells me it was like a hundred million or thank something. Thank you. Like Eight hundred million. Oh yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Eight hundred million. Imagine turning Jesus. that down. I mean, tight. Like any Joe Schmo, like I and I know that's not a real comparison, but like I said earlier, like you know, I try to what I get paid from K State versus what I would get paid if like BYU offered me because you know the Mormon faith is very very rich. So if they like offered me a bunch of money, could I turn it down? Because if you think about it, like at the, at the end of the day, I'd probably be stupid to turn it down. I mentioned Ronaldo and the current deal that he has playing in the. Saudi league soccer and his contract is competitive with another one that they signed last week you had the uh, PIF just take over essentially four franchises in that league Ronaldo's making 110 million Tiger Woods would have made 800 million in this off unbelievable all right let's take a break when we come back again we're on for just an hour today we're out at five o'clock Keontae Johnson pre-draft press conference with media after he worked out with the Golden State Warriors, and he gave us an answer to his plan with leaving his eligibility open to come back to K-State. Obviously, he's still in the NBA draft process. Those details next on the game. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We're back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, just us two today. We're out at 5 o'clock. Royals baseball coming up at the top of the hour. 
Pre-game coverage against the uh, Royals against the Marlins from South Beach is tonight. By the way, tomorrow's pregame moved up 30 minutes, so we're not going to have a show tomorrow. Royals will start at 4.30, then we'll be back with a two-hour show on Thursday, hour and a half coming up on Friday. Marlins decided they didn't want to have to deal with uh, heat traffic tomorrow night. Fair enough. Whatever. <laughs> That's the plan. As long as the game gets played. Hey, Brett McMurphy has uh, tweeted out earlier today, Big 12 basketball coaches are in favor of adding UConn to Big 12, according to his sources. UConn, quote, in the mix as an all-sports addition to the Big 12. Makes sense. I, I, I wouldn't see UConn joining without football. Uh, that just would not make any sense at no, all. You no, know, no, no. Uh, plus, I mean, it would be perfect timing because UConn and foot, so football, they're an independent. Uh, they have been for two seasons now, and they have an independent contract with CBS. That contract wasn't very long. It actually wraps up after this next season. So there's some perfect timing along uh, aligned with that. But again, I asked the women's basketball coaches around the conference, did they really give it the thumbs up to have UConn in the Big 12? Just a note. Speaking of Twitter, back to our topic of the last segment. Kyle Coster reporting that on Golf Channel, Johnson Wagner says players meeting with Jay Monahan was contentious. Multiple players calling for the commissioner's resignation. Wagner estimating 90% of the room against the merger. Well, good for the Golf Channel to have one of its four viewers talking about it. So <laughs> good news for, for the Golf Channel. Um, all right, let's jump to, uh, to Keontae Johnson. Former K-State Ford, one year with the Cats, Elite Eight run. He and uh, Marquise Noel continue to visit teams for pre-draft workouts. But I tell you what, so I I was trying to find as many as I could of all the teams, the guys for K-State that were in the draft process and now are out like Naquan Tomlin or those that are still in like Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, who they've worked out for. uh, Tomlin worked out with three teams. As far as my research went, Charlotte, Portland, and the Spurs. Marquise Noel, Mavericks, Rockets, Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Raptors, Jazz, and Wizards. And somebody tweeted it out, I think it was yesterday, two days ago, that Marquise Noel's schedule for these pre-draft workouts is just an example of what these athletes go through to try to work out with teams, as many teams as they possibly can in this couple of weeks span. As Marquise Noel, I think, worked out with six teams in seven days, and that was from coast to coast. Like Marquise went from Salt Lake City to D.C., and then from D.C. to the West Coast. So he is like, he is skipping pawns all over the United States to uh, just go work out with teams. But no, Noel's worked out with eight teams as of now. Keontae Johnson just with a couple. Golden State and uh, the Portland Trailblazers. Now, I, you know, Keontae Johnson is obviously, and this is, has not changed in a while, that Keontae Johnson is still a second-round guy and most likely will be a second-round guy. Uh, you never know, though, what will happen in the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed, Marquise Noel getting so much attention. And by the way, he's also been getting more headlines than Keontae Johnson. And you know, maybe some of that, yes, is due to his size and becoming um, probably the most popular player in the NCAA tournament. He's just he's still got that name notoriety that 
the media is going to write up about him because he has a very interesting journey, but so does Keontae Johnson. But that's due to the health reasons. And he'll actually kind of briefly talk about that here in just a moment. But Key is the first one we've actually heard about speak about the pre-draft workouts. And let's hear from Keontae Johnson right now. This is from after his Golden State workout. This is an abbreviated version. It's about five minutes long talking about what he did want to show off and what he wants to work on with the pre-draft workouts. Yeah, shooting is definitely um, a thing I'm trying to show teams. A lot of teams I um, haven't shot a lot of threes, so just going out there and showing reps that I'm comfortable with shooting a three, catch and shoot off the dribble. The term tweener used to be a negative. Now it's almost become a positive as far as being well-rounded. Are you more comfortable using your quicks in the front court or using your strength in the back court? You did shoot over 40% from three-point range last year. How much of that part of the game for you has grown in the last year? Um, it's grown a lot because at Florida, I didn't take as many threes, so I feel like at K-State, uh, Coach Tain done a great job of uh, letting me showcase me playing on the wing more, um, getting more open shots. Uh, a lot of plays just ran through me this year, so I got to showcase more than what I did at Florida. But I feel like this year I showed that I can catch and shoot, um, do something off the dribble, do it at a high rate. Who are some of the players that you kind of build your game around, and, and why are those the examples for you? Um, my favorite player is Kawhi. But guys I've been watching, like P.J. Tucker, just seeing how he impacted the game on defensively, can knock down open threes and rebound at a high rate. So just trying to find guys that's in the playoffs that know how to get on the court and just reading those guys. So P.J. Tucker has been a guy I've been watching. You're obviously physically NBA ready. Where would you say you have a lot to work on? My assist turnover ratio, I feel like a better decision with the ball. Uh, instead of taking the extra dribble, just extra pass to my teammate. Me on defense, off ball, I feel like I'd be laxed a little bit. So just showing that I can stay in the stance. Defense, showing that my condition is well this year. So so I've been working on just um, ball handling and my condition. As far as your health, are you tired of talking about it? Or is it just no, something I mean, you always a, are going to have to deal with? Yeah, it's something I always got to deal with. I mean, it's one of my stories to tell. And like the more people ask, the more I get comfortable telling them. Um, I'm never tired of telling them. Uh, it's inspirational to people. When people ask me, I'm willing to tell them um, everything. Just never give up. People, A lot of people say I'm an inspiration to them. Can you just kind of describe as well, what has the process been like for you since since you left? Manhattan. The process has been a little long. It took me, I had to go to my doctor in the Mayo Clinic to get all my up-to-date records. And then I had to, once I got all my up-to-date records, I finally went to my agent on um, Priority Sport, Mark Bartlestein, and he had me doing conditioning. Because I wasn't clear yet, so I had to do conditioning for like at least two weeks. Um, the combine came, all I did was just medical and interviews. And then on May 22nd, that Friday, oh, the 20. Yes, one of that Friday was I got cleared, and my agent just set up workouts. So I have I got four workouts in seven days, all on the West Coast. This is my third one. I go to um, L.A. right after this, and I've just been on the go since then, since I got cleared. What's been the biggest adjustment for you? Just the pace, just knowing that it's uh it's faster, it's more possession in the, um this game. So just knowing how to manage my pace, on um, manage my condition, just getting up and down the court, and showing that I'm still fit and can shoot while I'm tired. How hard was that? to watch all those scrimmages and be there yeah, and not it, it be able was, to play. It was definitely hard, especially like the medical, just um, knowing that I already went through the screening that they wanted to see, but I had to keep going over. So it was just your patience and um, mental toughness just going through that was all like a mental thing. So Now that you're doing these workouts and, I mean, the draft's only a few weeks away, have you let yourself kind of reflect and go, this is happening, you know, everything that you've been through, that you're almost at this point now? Um, yes, every night, uh, at least the night before I come to workout, I just take a like a thirty minute to thirty minute break just to myself, um, just listen to music and just cherish the moment. Um, I call my homeboys. I never been on the West Coast, so I call all, all my friends and 
I told him like, yo, I'm really out here, and they just like keep going, bro. You um, you setting the way. So when I call my closest friends, they um inspire me to keep going, just motivate me, and I just sit back and like reflect and thank God for the opportunity. Just any specific memories as far as watching the Warriors, the championships, Steph, all these kind of guys. Um yeah, I mean. Obviously, Steph is one of the best players I've seen. Um, he's one of my favorite players. So just watching them, how they get up and down the court, just moving without the basketball. Um, it was a fast-paced team. Um, like to get out on a fast break, and I feel like that's something I strive to do. Um, I like to get out and dunk the ball, um, show that I can shoot, catch and shoot, and I feel like this could be a good spot for me. Declared for the draft, you left open the possibility of returning. Was that partly because you hadn't been cleared yet? Was that kind of a... Oh, no, no, the insurance policy, uh, that's been... Uh, a waste before I started play well during the season at Kansas State I just had it open because I didn't I wasn't sure if I was gonna get cleared in time um just had to have a second option just um for my career I guess uh, my agency told me to leave it open just in case but when we went through the NBA um panel we told the NBA people that I had to make a decision before the 31st my goal was always if I would have got clear I was gonna stay in a draft so once I got clear, it was just easy for me to make the decision. Just wanted to ask you real quick, uh, have you been in touch with Marquise at all? And uh, yeah, I've been, um, Marquise asked me to call me after my first workout. Um, I told him he's one of the guys. He's doing good. He's, I know he was in Washington. I got to call him today. Um, I know he's in L.A., so I might see him tonight. But he's been doing good. Um, he's enjoying the process. I uh, wish him nothing but the best, and he always know I'm on his side. Now, that tonight would have been yesterday, so I hope they really did get an opportunity to catch up. If not, I'm sure they will down the road on a court uh, in the NBA somewhere because they're both extremely talented guys. No surprise hearing about Keontae's decision that if he was medically cleared as he went through just a ton of testing during the NBA Combine, did a lot of interviews that if he did get cleared, the NBA is, is his sights. College is in the rearview mirror. At his age, he'll be he's already 23 and he can be drafted, now is his opportunity. One more year probably won't benefit him that much in college basketball. Nate, Naquan Tomlin is a different story because he's such a raw athlete. He's so athletic with just four years of, of organized basketball under his belt, and he's already being looked at as an NBA guy. He was, you know, he was not an all-Big 12 player this year, and that was a little bit surprising, but... Some had him as maybe a late first-round guy. Naquan Tomlin's potential with just getting another year under his belt and improving on his game at the collegiate level can bring his status from a second-round to late first-round guy to even potentially, possibly, a lottery pick type of player. An all-Big 12 player of the year potential is the sight moving forward for Naquan Tomlin. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
National radio host, TV star, movie star, and the guy that once appeared in a Hootie and the Blowfish music video. I'm Dan Patrick. Catch my show weekdays at 2 on News Radio KMAN. I was looking up Diana Ross tickets for Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Oh, smokes. It's at the end of this month. i be honest with you. It's not reasonable. It's not terrible with fees, one sixty a person, and that's at that's on the like the bottom level. It's not any balcony or anything. It's wow. about twenty rows from the stage. No, that's not awful that's, at all. That's very doable to see one of the one of the biggest living legends. Holy smokes! I also yeah, was looking up a Diana Ross like. A set list, but I, I got to find like a full concert. Somehow I don't think it'll be 41 songs like Janet Jackson. No, uh, let's see. She had a, a, a residency in Vegas not too long ago. It was about eight months ago or so. She played, she did 21 songs. Not bad. Bunch of uh, bunch of Supreme stuff, solo stuff. Upside down. All right, do you have anything for us? At this point, who would be the Motown act that you would want to see beyond Diana Ross? That's the thing. Like, I don't know exactly who was Motown. <laughs> okay. Uh, was Otis Redding? Was he Motown? No, he was not. <sighs> I would like to see Jackie Wilson. That would have been one act that I would have enjoyed. Uh, well, like, okay. Well, I mean, Stevie Wonder, he's still around. True, that would valid. be obviously one. Um, boy. I think most of them are dead. Unfortunately, yes. Like Marvin, Marvin Gaye would be awesome. By the way, Barry Gordy Jr. is 93. And he's, is he still, still alive? Still alive. Wow. Oh, Okay. So I had to do a quick Google search. I would love to see Gladys Knight. Ooh, that's great call. I'm a I'm a Gladys Knight fan. I didn't know she was Motown, but yes, Gladys Knight. There's a bunch of them. I, I just didn't know who was on what label. Motown was such a powerhouse label-wise. I think that's part of what makes it amazing is that you're talking essentially what was an independent became one of the major powers in the 50s and 60s. Well, and Motown is still around, right? Motown, Motown is still it's, a record label? It, it is, but it's barely used. Okay. Man, there are so many. As I look through this list, like the Marvelettes, that would be pretty awesome. The Temptations... I could throw a whole bunch, a whole bunch of Smokey Robinson. Uh, you know, maybe Smokey Robinson. Uh, you know. Martha and the Vandellas. Commodore. Commodores were just in uh, yep, at McCain. Just at McCain. I'm, I'm still partial to Jackie Wilson. Something about that high pitch. I can't look at Rick James without thinking about Dave Chappelle. Oh, no. No, right. absolutely. We have no show tomorrow, but we're back for two hours tomorrow. The whole gang will be here other than DG. For Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.